0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, February 18th, 2024. When you pray, your will be done. Morning, Connection Church. Here in the sanctuary, there at home or on the road, wherever you might be. Isn't this just a glorious day to be part of God's creation? Amen. Amen. So good to be back home. Uh, Several people asked me, so how was your trip? Well, it was heartbreaking, and it was glorious. So there you go, yeah.
1: So we are happy to be home. Um, this was our fifth trip, our fifth trip. So um, it was good to see people that we have just fallen in love with. Uh, need to tell you, Paul was a rock star. He was, um, he did worship with the team at the church and did special music. and. They actually have a song on the internet that has over a million hits that they wrote from this church. So he was playing with uh, some people that are are really into music, and and it was great. Um, Erin went, our daughter, and she was really good with sharing the gospel to kids. And it was really wonderful to see her thrive in that setting. Uh, John was with us and he was also good at leading worship with children, um, you know, deep and wide and, you know, doing the hand motions. Bob was really awesome. He, Bob Harvilla was awesome with feeding. He was, he, he did a lot of rice feeding and everything and he's not feeling well. So please keep Bob in prayer. The rest of us have pretty much bounced back, but he's, he's still under the weather. And then uh, Carlton and Jane are great, and Alan and I are great. And um, it's just really happy to, we're happy to be here. On March 13th, which is a Wednesday night, we're going to share about the trip. And so um, we've got slides and all that kind of stuff. And we'll, we hope that many of you are able to join us.
0: Mm.
1: We also want to thank Pastor Barb for speaking while we were gone last week. I saw it, I haven't watched the whole thing, but I'm gonna to get to it this week. Thank you so much. The internet was sketchy where I was, but it was great, so.
0: So today is the first Sunday of Lent. We had Ash Wednesday, that was the beginning of Lent, but that's the first Sunday. And that's a season in the church, You won't read it about it in the Bible, it's a, a, a church made up season that leads to Easter, it's a time of preparation. It's a time of inspiration. It's a time of introspection. It's um, it's during Lent that we kind of uh, we we pay attention to spiritual disciplines all the time, where we should, but it's where we kind of pay extra special attention, where we we try to get I don't know closer to God. We look at where we're maybe falling short, we fast, and where we focus on God rather than on food or those other things we normally focus on. We read Scripture maybe a little more intentionally than other times. We maybe pray a little deeper and more often in an attempt to know the heart of God in our lives. Um, and that's our focus this Lenten season 2024 prayer. That's our, our focus throughout the time from now till Easter. And today we're going to be looking at uh, the Lord's Prayer.
1: Actually, prayer is our, our focus for the entire year of 2024 because we have a door in 24 and you get an email every Monday about where our prayer walk's going to be on Thursday and kind of a focus for the week. So um, anyway, from now till Lent, though, we're going to be preaching on different prayers in Scripture. Good morning, Connection Church. Morning. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who've been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thanks for being here today. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for drawing us here. It's not an accident that either one of us or any one of us are here or joining online. You woo us, you draw us into a relationship, into a deeper relationship with you as we are about our life here on earth. And so we give you the honor, Lord, today as we focus on the prayer that you taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said amen. Amen. If you're able, let's stand together and say the Lord's Prayer. Amen. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Amen.
0: So the Lord's Prayer, it's found it's found, uh, uh, not just in here, I think it's also found in Luke, but for our purposes today. Uh, in Matthew six, it's right in the middle of a teaching Jesus shared with his disciples called the Sermon on the Mount, chapters five, six and seven in the book of Matthew, where he gives them a lot of instruction about a lot of different things. And this is some instruction on prayer. Um, um, At the beginning, before we get to, before he gets to that in chapter 6, though, he gives the the boys a little instruction on what to do and what not to do. And and above all, what he tells them is to be humble and private. Say humble and private.
1: Humble and private.
0: You know, humble meaning not about me private meaning, not being showy out there on the street corner. He tells them not to practice righteousness in front of others in order to be seen, for that is what the hypocrites in the synagogue did. We, we, we like the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases this in the message, and the message is not a good study Bible. It's not one to, you know, if you're in a study Bible, use the New International Version, the New Living Translation, the English Standard Version, a lot of them. This one's what they call a paraphrase, where he's kind of taking chunks. And I mean, he's translating it, but he's using very modern ideas. And the whole idea is to kind of share, try to get it across so that you can understand it. He he wrote this for actually for a, a Bible study in the church that he was leading at the time, Eugene Peterson. But we find it interesting and kind of insightful sometimes, and just an, uh, kind of a new way of kind of picking our interest on what the Scriptures say. So, here's Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Here's what, here's what uh, Eugene says, or he writes, be, be especially careful when you are trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. <laughs> it might be good theater, but, but the God who made you won't be applauding. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that got my attention. Jesus is talking to the disciples, but when he talks to the disciples, he talks to us as well. His words are meant for us. When when we're trying to do good, it is not meant to draw attention to what we're doing. It's not about, "Hey, look at me. I'm doing all these good things in the name of Jesus." That's got to grieve God because that points to me and not to God. And that becomes very all about self. And we have this thing around here at Connection Church. It's four words. It's not about me. It's all about him. And so we do things not to make ourselves look good and look holy and extra, woo, but to give God the honor, and the glory. That's why we do it. So I have this friend that every day she sends out texts, cards, phone calls, and I mean it's part of her routine every day. Now I don't know that she does this because she told me. I know it because I've heard from many of you like, I got this text from so-and-so, or I got this card from so-and-so, and I'm like, wow, there she is out doing her thing, and it <laughs> all points to God, every bit of it, not her good works, and so she's kind of anonymous in it. She's not on a team where I place her name and she does things. It's out of her heart. When we do things for God, it's not about like sharing with others, but it's just doing it because we're living a life of gratitude. We're thankful for the life that he gave us. So
0: So it's not about us. Um, And that's especially true when it comes to prayer. Kelly Minter in the book, When You Pray, writes that uh, in in first century Jewish culture, the Jews prayed three times a day. They prayed in the morning, they prayed mid-afternoon, and they prayed before going to bed at night. Some of the religious leaders just happened to be at the sacred places like the temple or crowded places like the street corners at times when most people would be there to notice their spiritual dedication, just just happened to be there. Their timing had more to do with catching the attention of the people than (laughs) perhaps catching the attention of God. Not good, not good. Again, Eugene Peterson paraphrases this well in the message in Matthew 5, verses 5 and 6. And when you come before God, don't turn it into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for 15 minutes of fame. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God just be there as simply and honestly as you can as you can manage the focus will shift from you to god and you will begin to sense his grace you know jesus was not against public communal prayer he, he didn't have a problem with us leading prayer in fact he he liked it when we weren't embarrassed or ashamed to pray in front of other people. He wants you to pray, you know, in your small group or in front. Or in a
1: restaurant when when our meal sits in front of us. Or
0: whatever, yeah. What he was contrary to was making it a production, a show, a look at me experience.
1: Well, then he goes on to tell the disciples that when they pray, they don't have to keep on babbling. He says, like pagans. Now, pagans were Gentiles or they're non-Jews. They were uh, people who worshipped little g gods. And so, if you can imagine being a pagan, where you know you've got this god here, and you know you've got to pray to this god for, and then you got to pray to this god, and then you got to pray to this god. I don't know if there's that many words for all the gods that are out there. It was kind of humorous once we landed in in India, and um, we were in a van going to our hotel. I think it was John that looked out the window, and you know there's all these cars and nobody follows directions and all that kind of stuff. But then there's this big old cow just walking down next to a you know next to the car, and he goes, Holy cow and I said. Yeah, that's what they think. That cow cannot save them. Our Lord and Savior is the only one who saves. Mm -hmm. There are times when I pray that I just have to, like, maybe I think that the more words I say, the more God will get it. It's really not the way it goes. You know, our amount of words uh, doesn't increase God's ability to know us more. Hmm. Now, I'm a person that has to like talk it out before I can figure it out. Some people think and then say, I say, and then think. Not always good. But I do that with God too. And God understands it's about, a, it's a matter of the heart. It's not about
0: show. Hmm. You know, just a side note in India... They have like 330 million gods. Think about that for a minute, various different, can you even begin to, I can't even comprehend that. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So then um, Jesus goes on to say this, Matthew 6, 9. He said this, um, say this with me, will you? This then is how you should pray. So, so he's given them uh, kind, of a, kind of a template for prayer. He doesn't tell them this is the exact prayer that they should use every time they gather together. You know, it's kind of like this. Um, you ever have one of those acronyms like ACTS, or I like the one pray, P-R-A-Y, P, praise the Lord, or repent, A, ask God, Ye, why yield yourself to God. You know, it's it's a great, if you just start praying, okay, if I follow that, I'm going to cover everything. So, the Lord's prayer is kind of Jesus, cover everything, the important things. This is what you got to remember. I don't think He intended us to have this memorized prayer that we use every time we pray, but it's just uh, a reminder: How to pray, the pattern for prayer, the approach we should take, the important things to remember. That—that—that's basically what it is.
1: So Jesus starts off Matthew nine or six, verse nine. Let's say it together: Our Father, Father in, in heaven, heaven hallowed, hallowed be, be your, your name, name. Your kingdom, your kingdom, kingdom come, come. Your, your will, will be, be done. done on earth as it is in heaven so jesus is telling his disciples therefore he's telling us that when we should pray we should always start by adoring god always start by lifting god's name on high in any of those acronyms that we have like prayer acts it always starts with a adoration or p praise so this does too in the lord's prayer it starts by lifting God's name on high. And when we do that, it's like it should it should catch our like oh, holy be your name. I am in all of you, and your holiness should take our breath away. God is awesome. That is a word that I tend to use too much. Oh, Alan's spaghetti last night was
0: awesome. Well, it was awesome.
1: There's only one awesome. (laughs) And it's Jesus. It's God, Father, Holy Spirit. And um, all is this feeling of, it's this respect mixed with fear, not like scared fear, but like this holy, like, (gasps) and wonder. Is that something that we should be taken, taking lightly?
0: Mm. Scripture puts it this way. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed means regarded as holy, sacred, venerated, regarded with great respect. Holy is God's name. Our God is holy. That means set apart, sacred. You got to take that in for a moment. Holy God, perfect in every way, completely set apart from sin. When we pray, we are talking to the creator of the universe. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the stars and the distances and the galaxies, and there were more stars than there, are, than there are sand on the And we pulled that paper across with 10 to the, I think it was 24, the septillion that's called.
1: Actually, that's the message modified that he
0: preached yeah, and, last week and in the India. the guy there told me it was, I didn't know, it was a septillion. That's, that means lot of zeros. <laughs> that's what septillion means. And <clears throat> um, think of this God that we get to talk to on a personal basis. This God that we get to be one-on-one with is the same God who flung a septillion stars across the heavens. Can, can you, even, I, I have trouble even wrapping my brain around that. And yet we're in communication, personal communication, and we say, holy is your name. It's not simply a matter of, of how we speak about God, but it, it puts God in that proper place that God should be in our lives. Because even though we get the privilege of talking to Him, we still have to remember who God is. And it's not just some other being. It's not just another guy. It's not just... A buddy. It's the creator of everything we see and everything we don't see. Yeah. And that gives God that absolute one-of-a-kind place in our lives, the highest place in our lives, And so we should honor him with every part of our being, everything we've got.
1: So we started with lifting God's name on high. Holy is your name. And then we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is huge. This is really big. When we pray this, Your kingdom come, your will be done. It means that we desire God's sovereign rule in our lives. That God is the ultimate in our lives. It means that we submit to the authority of God, to his control, to his supreme. You can't have something above supreme. Supreme is supreme. (laughs) There's no one higher No one greater. And that is who we submit our lives to. And that's why, for me, it's easier because he's perfect. And he knows what's best. He's not wishy-washy like I am. Same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Wow. Your kingdom come, God, here on earth. All right, so... We see glimpses of God here on earth and in heaven. That's when we realize the fullness and the permanency of God's reign in all of his glory. Your kingdom come, Lord, here on earth and in heaven.
0: Hmm. God's kingdom here on earth. We, we get glimpses, don't we? We get, we get glimpses here in church. Sometimes we get glimpses in our in our homes, or sometimes in the community, sometimes in the world, because God's kingdom is here, but not yet. <laughs> There's a tension there. It's coming, but it's it's come, but it's still coming. <laughs> Thank goodness, because if it's done, we're we're in trouble, right? <laughs> if it's, if it's all here, um, it's not finished. God's still working on that. Through us, your kingdom come, Lord, your will be done. God's will is the kind of God-honoring lifestyle God desires for God's people. Jesus boils it down to this. Remember where he said uh, two commandments. Everything boils down to everything. All the commandments boil down to these two things. Love God with everything you've got. Love your neighbor as yourself. And But that can only be done with God's strength. I don't know about, well, I do know. None of us is that strong uh, on our own. Amen? It's God's strength. Uh, Your will be done, Lord. Not mine, but yours. Surrender. Help me, Lord, surrender to your will. As Jesus shared, remember, we're in the season of Lent. We're leading up to that uh, point where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane just before the soldiers came and took him in uh, beginning of the end. And he's prayerfully prepping for the cross. A- and he prays this, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. <laughs> Hello? Yeah. Who in their right mind would want to be hung on a cross to slowly, painfully suffocate to death? Even Jesus... <laughs> knew that that was not going to be a grateful experience. May this cup be taken from me yet, not my will, but as you will, Lord, Father. Well, uh, I, I know it can't be what I want. Yeah, it's your will, Lord.
1: We see Jesus' humanity come out here, but he is absolutely submitted to his father's will, because his will didn't matter. It was to glorify his father. And that is true with us too. Lord, your will be done in my life. Here on earth, as it is in heaven, it's a prayer that this part of the prayer helps um, bridge the gap between the here and now and the there and then you know, between this, this life with all of its beauty and heartache to the perfection of where eternity is and, and where, as believers, we'll be living for our entire lives except for this little blip on the screen that we get to walk around on this earth. If we're able to do God's will, able to do the things that God would have us do Right now on earth, wouldn't this world be so much better? (laughs) It would be gentler. It would be kinder. And that's who we are as believers in Christ. We're trying to usher in the kingdom of God here on earth and surrender. Mm Surrender is a hard thing. (laughs) Surrender is so hard. You know, I fought God for almost a decade where I just knew that I was supposed to be a nurse for the rest of my life and do that full time. And I went kicking and screaming and doing this kind of thing for years. But then I came to the realization that God's will is better than mine and I loved God more than my own life. And so I submitted and yeah, sometimes I still dream about being in the ICU and doing all the monitor stuff, doing that, but the best place to be is in the will of God. Absolutely. And so, you know, I I was thinking about that. If I hadn't submitted and uh, we might not be here today. And the thought that it's not about me, but it's about how many people have come to know Jesus over the last 22 years. That's what it's about for people to get connected with Jesus and the new life he offers. And so during the season of Lent, introspection, think about where in your life, and I have a lot more surrendering to do, where, where do you need that work? And think about what the will of God looks like for you.
0: Hmm. You know, God's will be done. If it was truly done, then we would have what we call heaven on earth, wouldn't we? Look a whole lot more like that. And the prayer goes on. Give us today our daily bread. Wait, what is that? Six six words. Pretty simple line. Give us today our daily bread. So after we celebrate God's greatness, God's sovereignty, God's holy only place in the universe and in our lives, we acknowledge that we are dependent on God for our daily sustenance. We're reminded here of the Hebrews in the desert after they escaped Egypt and God providing their daily provision of manna. Remember, manna, it meant, what is it? <laughs> what is that stuff? Yeah, 40 years of it, Who? yeah. But they got just what they needed, not too little, not too much, just exactly what they needed. God saw to it that they were sustained on a daily basis. And this is important because until our basic needs are met, our basic needs, food, air, clothing, shelter, you know, those basic needs, it's hard for us to focus on anything else, including the spiritual. And so the next thing in the prayer is uh, the daily bread. It's crucial. You know, that's what we found when we were in India. Feeding those kids went hand in hand with feeding them uh, Jesus. In fact, when we first started going over there, they used to give them milk and a biscuit. Just milk and a biscuit. Well, now they give them rice and it's like soup, different Kind of soupy stuff with beans and stuff in it and water, and it 's not just a little, I mean they they give them because this is for many their only meal for the day, and it might be the only meal for maybe a sibling or two you know i'm i think, 'm thinking a lot of times they take it home they don 't eat it they take it home with them some places they don 't even it 's not even a school that 's their only connection is the food they're they 're going to the to the government school when they 're stopping by here for Their daily food provision. The one place we were serving, 800 kids a day come to this one place. And not too far from there, 350 kids a day stop in there every day. Monday through Friday. Friday. Monday through Friday. We had the privilege of doing some of the serving there. You know, it's, wow. Wow it's incredible. Um, (laughs) This daily basic provision of food and Jesus makes all the difference in the world to these kids, all the difference in the world. uh, That's that's why our food ministry here is so important. Uh, For some of the people coming for that food ministry, that's, that's their daily bread. And for those who serve in that ministry, thank you we celebrate that. And for all of you who give on Sunday morning, we celebrate that because what you're giving makes a difference. It makes a difference. You're, you're offering support here, the people here, but they also support ministries uh, like our giving in India. You're supporting around the globe. And we celebrate that. You, we can't say enough about that. It makes a difference. And and the bread, it's kind of symbolic too. It's not just, you know, that piece of stuff that you lop up the soup with. Bread is daily provision of all kinds of, you know, not just the food, but provision. This part of the prayer teaches us to come to God in a spirit of humble dependence, knowing that it's through God and God alone that we have what we have, that we have that daily bread. We ask Him to provide what we need to sustain us day to day today.
1: So the next part of this prayer, verse 12, is perhaps the hardest part. <laughs> Say it with me. And forgive Just us our like debts us. as we, we also have, have forgiven, forgiven our debtors. debtors. Now, that's what this version says. Other versions say trespasses and those who trespass against us. Some say uh, sin and those who sin against us. It all, you know, points to the same thing. Jesus is teaching us to ask for forgiveness. Something that we all need because we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God and if you don't think you are then that's pride and that's a sin so yeah interesting right after we pray to our heavenly father to uh, sustain us with your bread you know day to day we ask him to forgive us our sins
0: Hmm. you know forgiveness is one of our deepest needs It's at the heart of the gospel. When we celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion, after we have a prayer of confession, when we talk to God about our sin, and we repent, ask God to help us repent, turn in a new direction, then uh, usually I think Carrie says, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Carrie's not forgiven. She doesn't have that power. But Christ does, and she's just reminding you that it's in the name of Christ that you are forgiven. Uh, This part of the prayer acknowledges our personal need for God to forgive us. The challenge is the next part of the prayer. As, that's a really important little word there, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Oh, that's tough. Anybody else find that tough? Forgive me as I've forgiven that guy. Sometimes that's just hard to pray because it calls us to do something that's not easy and sometimes not even desirable. To forgive that. We're agreeing to forgive those who sin against us. To forgive those who hurt us. And there doesn't seem to be much wiggle room here, does there? Say, well, except for that one guy, you know, because he was really. Everything, that one guy, no. Nobody, he expects us to forgive everybody. And if we refuse, wait a minute, how can we expect God to forgive us? Wow.
1: So this is really hard stuff, and we just want to pause for a moment. We could be preaching on this for days, (laughs) just got a little bit here. When we forgive others for the wrong that they have done in our lives, and in, in some cases wrecked our lives, although we can be resilient in Christ and we have new life in him, but forgiveness is really for our own good, It's for our own good. As long as we don't forgive, we are prisoners. We are in chains and we hold on to that pain. We hold on to that bitterness and it infects our hearts. And so when when that happens, we're not free. Now, when we forgive someone else who has wronged us, it doesn't mean it's okay. It's not. What it means is it frees us. And we're saying, God, you take care of this situation and this person. I'm just giving it to you, putting it in your lap, and I'm done. It's not going to control my heart anymore, this situation. And I know that many of us have been hurt very deeply. The wounds are deep. But Christ came to free us from that so that we can experience new life. I spent about eight years in some bitterness that I didn't really realize the depth of it, but but it was there. And um, I was on a retreat once and I'm like, gee God, what do I need to work on today? That is a dangerous prayer. <laughs> and I heard in my head, forgive your father. And I'm like, Wait a second, uh, there, there's a whole backstory on that? It doesn't work that, what, what? (laughs) And I heard it again. So I said, okay. So I kinda nailed something on the cross and walked away and don't you know that the next time I had contact, I felt joy? The next time I had contact, we had a meaningful conversation where there was forgiveness. And then for the next 20 years until he passed, we studied scripture together and we prayed together. And it was a whole new gig. And I'm so grateful. So I was holding on to this stuff. And, and God asked me, now, again, if you, have, if, if you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean you have to be in relationship with that person anymore. It just means giving it to God. We're not suggesting that sometimes it's not safe to reconcile. Hear us clear on that. But don't hold on to the bitterness in your heart. There's this uh, saying that we have, you know, let go and let God, and it seems trite, but it's true. Let go and let God deal.
0: Amen. Amen say this next line with me, would you please? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Parentheses, because we often just say, deliver us from evil, right, when we say the prayer. So, in this part of the prayer, Jesus reminds us that our soul is in spiritual danger, Uh, caught in in a spiritual battle between good and evil. There's a cosmic spiritual battle going on right now as we talk, isn't there? It's an ongoing battle that we can't ignore because it's there and it affects us. It's important for us to be mindful of, be mindful of the enemy who seeks to and uh, I think John 10:10 10, 10 tells us, steal, kill and destroy." That's Satan's goal. Satan has a target on each of us because he wants your soul. That's how important your soul is. And don't think that Satan's just a, a nebulous kind of idea, a, a, you know, a concept. Satan's a, a person, a being that is real and he wants your soul. And will do anything to try to get it. The temptation that Satan offers is real. And so this part of the prayer asks the Lord to help us, to lead us, to guide us. Lord, lead me not into temptation, but into righteousness. Turn turn me this way, not this way, Lord. Now, I know at times God will test me. You know, when you put um, steel in the fire, it makes it stronger. And sometimes I know uh, we've been kind of fired up, haven't we? <laughs> sometimes those tests make us stronger. But by asking God, though, to deliver us from evil, we acknowledge that we're helpless to, to do it on our own. And, and, and the instant we think we can handle it by ourselves we're in deep trouble. We're in deep trouble. Yeah. Jesus, help me on this path to righteousness, this, this modeling that you're giving us, this mentoring. If, as Paul writes, we're not able to come our own sin, sinful tendencies, how then can we expect to stand up to the forces of evil and systems of oppression on our own? We can't. We need Jesus.
1: Hear what uh, James writes Uh, He's in the New Testament, chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Mm. Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one.
0: Mm. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And so, the end of this prayer is not included in Jesus teaching there in Matthew you won't find it in the scripture. It's what we call a, a doxology. If you've been in church for any time you probably sang a doxology, which is a it's a praise of God. And so this doxology uh, got a praise this praise of God, got added somewhere along the way to the Lord's Prayer. Most Protestant congregations include that as part of the prayer, and, and, and it's kind of interesting because if you look at it, it kind of brings the prayer full circle, doesn't it? You know, you start, our Father who art in heaven, it starts there, and you come full circle, and you end up um, focusing on God, His kingdom, His power, and His glory, it kind of brings full circle.
1: And so we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer. We could actually speak on this for like weeks and weeks and weeks. Oh, but I thought
0: we covered all we ever needed to know right here <laughs> this morning.
1: We've just scratched the surface. We encourage you to take this to the next level and to do your own study on it. You might uh, show up at the Zoom that Carl will be facilitating tomorrow night because he'll be talking about tonight, today's message or you might attend uh, Barb and Chuck's Bible study on Monday night right here, and it's tomorrow night at seven o'clock, and the focus is the Lord's Prayer. And of course, it's always uh, important for us as a church to remember that we need to set our alarms for 12 o'clock every day as we pray the Lord's Prayer Together, not only in our church, but across our Northeast as we're lifting the Lord's name on high. This Lord's Prayer, it's a template, it's a conversation with God, it's a pattern. Our focus is on God. Our focus is, you know, saying, God, you are holy. Then we move to our needs. You know, give us our daily bread. And Alan calls it the three F's the food, forgiveness, and freedom from temptation. And then we come back to acknowledge God's power and might, his glory forever that we sit in awe of.
0: Mm. Jesus offered his disciples and so he offers us this template for prayer because Jesus knows what we need. He knows what makes us tick. He, he knows how we need to focus on God and then ourselves and others, you know, God, then us. He knows us because he loves us. Jesus loves you and me. Loves us so much that he gave his life for us. That's what this time of Lent is focused on leading up to his death and resurrection. Hmm. Sacrifice himself for us so that we might join him in eternity. He offered his sin-free Life in exchange for our sin filled lives. He did that so that we might live. And that's always in the background during the season of Lent, the season of preparation for Christ's final days, for Christ on the cross, for his death and resurrection. Jesus gives us this prayer. This Lord's prayer is a model, a reminder, an example for us as we talk with God, the Father in heaven. As we listen, remember we have two ears, one mouth, as we listen (laughs) and try to live in God's will.
1: So as the praise team comes forward, I invite you to again stand if you're able. And I ask you to stand now because when we stand up, It's like we're giving somebody, you know, honor. You know, you see that? Uh, We're going to stand, not sit idly. And let's share the Lord's Prayer again together and think about what we've talked about today as you're saying it again. Our Father, who art in in heaven. heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done Amen. Lord, thank you for this time that we've had today to dive in a little bit to the Lord's prayer. We pray that when we say it tomorrow at noon, that it just might mean something a little bit different or more. Lord, we thank you for bringing us here. It's not an accident that we're here. You have drawn us to be in your presence this morning. Thank you. We lift our voices now to you in honor and glory and praise in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the message from Connection Community Church. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, you can visit us on our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Thanks again for listening. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers.